What's working on purpose anyway? Each week we ponder the answer to this question. People ache for meaning and purpose at work, to contribute their talents passionately and know their lives really matter. They crave being part of an organization that inspires them and helps them grow into realizing their highest potential. Business can be such a force for good in the world, elevating humanity. In our program, we provide guidance and inspiration to help usher in this world we all want, working on purpose. Now, here is your host, Dr. Elise Cortez. Welcome back to the Working on Purpose program. Thanks for tuning in again this week. I'm your host, Dr. Elise Cortez, joining you live from Dallas, which is home base for me. If you don't know me yet, I'm a management consultant specializing in meaning and purpose, organizational logotherapist, inspirational speaker, social scientist, and author. My team and I help companies discover and articulate their purpose to thread it through culture and operations. We work with forward-thinking or forward-reaching organizations to develop inspirational leaders who create cultures where people actually want to come to work and do their best. And we provide programs like the Grab Your Gusto that enable individual team members to discover and unleash their passion and purpose at work to catalyze fulfillment, engagement, and productivity. You can learn more about us and how we can work together at EliseCortez.com. With us today is Catherine Matiski, a leading global business educator and author with 30 years of experience across industries, including banking, insurance, pharmaceutical, biotechnology, and retail. She's the founder of TPC, The Performance Company, an international training and consulting organization that has worked with Fortune 100 companies around the world. She's the author of more than 30 books, and the one we'll be talking about today is Leading Virtual Teams, Managing from a Distance During the Coronavirus. We'll be talking about her perspective on what's happening in the world of business today and how leaders and the workforce need to evolve their skills to be productive and connected in today's virtual world. She joined us today from Melbourne, Australia, where it's the, it's the next day for her in the morning and the evening for me the previous day. She's 16 hours ahead. Catherine, a hearty welcome to Working on Purpose. Thanks for having me. It's delightful. I'm so grateful that you were willing to be caught. We have to tell the listeners and viewers of just how we met. It's a fun story. So I have a, a client here in Dallas, Catherine, and uh, she's really quite resistant to the notion of, of virtual teams and has had a really hard time with, with it during the pandemic. And uh, she knows that I host this radio show and she knows I'm a voracious reader and she's not. So she picked up your gorgeous book here, this one, Leading Virtual Teams. And she said, Elise, read this book. Tell me what it says. <laughs> so I did. I read the book. And then, of course, I promptly reached out to you and your team. And I said, I think you should come on my show. And that is how we met. And she knows that we're speaking today. So thank you for being willing to say yes. So what did you say to her after you read it? Did you go back to her? I told I said there's all kinds of I told her I said there's all kinds of amazing things in here. One, um, you have to read the book. Let's get something for all of the team members. So we're we're doing that. So socializing your work to the team that way as well. So yes. Well, that'll be interesting to see what happens. Yes, you know, because that's one of those examples of somebody who really doesn't really has been very reticent to adopt a virtual or remote model, doesn't doesn't believe that it works well. Um, you know, there's some trust in there, which we're going to talk about a little bit later. So, um, you know, but in order for her to be really competitive and viable in today's workforce, it's kind of a necessary thing. So very glad we met. Yeah, and absolutely. And there's a lot of people that are still hesitant. And, you know, when I wrote the book, which was right at the beginning of the pandemic, I expected people to be hesitant because it was new. It's a new thing for a lot of people. Mm -hmm. Fast forward to now, it's amazing how people still haven't kind of come to grips with it, even though we've been doing it for a long time. So I would have thought that people would have made that shift, but there's so many people that are still hesitant. 
which is like the person that you've been working with. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so what I'm seeing, Catherine, with some of the clients that I'm working with is they want people to come back to the office. But a lot of people have said, gosh, my life works better when I work at least a few days remotely. And so it's really interesting. All the more reason that I had to have you on, Catherine, because the show is really about creating workplaces where people actually want to come to work and do their best. So this has become quite an interesting trend to pay attention to. And to the point that I really appreciate about your book is you really, really give some real meat in your book about what does a leader need to do to develop herself or himself to be able to lead effectively in this kind of a virtual world? And what does the team need to, to do? So really kudos, Catherine. Clearly you are an educator. There's no doubt about it. I'm convinced. <laughs> it's beautiful. I think what the key thing that you said there was where people want to come to work to do their best. And I think in the, you know, in the old days, which was pre-pandemic, which I called the old world, um, coming to work was just that, getting on a train, getting on a bus, getting in your car, getting on a bike and coming to work. And work was a place of geography. The pandemic has taught so many business owners that now geography is not actually in the game. Coming to work doesn't mean having to shift your body from one geography to another. And there's a lot of people that are stuck in that because when we take that apart, the old way was you need to show up by 8.30 in the morning, then I know you're at work. Mm -hmm. And now at 8.30 in the morning, uh, as, a, as a leader, I don't really know whether you're doing the washing or working or watching TV or just sleeping. I don't really know that accountability piece has shifted from the clock and geography to individuals. And I think that's challenging for a lot of leaders and it's challenging for a lot of people as well who are kind of transitioning now into back into the office or some hybrid or virtual model. Mm -hmm. Which is why your work is so important, Catherine, because you really are teaching the delta of what people need to learn and adopt in order to be successful and fruitful in that kind of new environment. And I don't know if you saw this or not, but I'm sure you did based on the work that you do. But when when uh, the great resignation started to become a surface deal and, of course, with the prof one of the professors or the professor that was had sort of um, forecast that said that this is this phenomenon is going to happen and it's going to illustrate how unnatural it is that we do our work today. Just what you said, getting yourself into a car, into a train or whatever to get yourself to an office, some sense away, et cetera. And I, I'm, as a social scientist, I'm fascinated to understand how this will continue to evolve our society and the way that we do our work. I think a lot of people are making a lot of individual decisions now. And that's really underpinning the great resignation because they're saying, you want me to do what? You want me to go back to the office? Oh, no, my life is sweet here. Yeah. I now have all this extra time that I'm not in traffic and not on public transport. And now I can reinvest that time in my life and things about that I care. And so that personal piece has now become a part of work that was potentially not a part because that personal piece was parked between seven in the morning and six at night. There was no personal piece. You ran out at lunchtime and did some pay a bill or do whatever you needed to do. Not that that happens anymore because everything's done online, but at lunchtime was your personal piece. But now that piece is now infiltrated into your day. So it is a big change. And if people think that it's not a change, they're kind of nuts because it's a whole different way of working. And I think the worst thing 
that senior leaders and business owners can do is to force people what they consider back to work. That whole notion of going back feels like I'm going back in time. Mm -hmm. It needs to be a strategy to move forward. Not I'm not going back to work. It's like, what does the new workplace look like? Mm -hmm. Let's go there because then we can collaborate with people and say, okay, what do you care about? Some people really care about the water cooler chats, having coffee with their friends at work, having coffee with their team. And some people couldn't care less. They right. go, the last thing I want to do is have lunch with my team because maybe I don't like them. Maybe I just don't need to do that. Whatever it is, it's about moving forward to craft a new workplace. And that new workplace for some organisations will be fabulous. And for others, they'll always long for the back to work. They'll mm. always long for that. And I was talking to a group of CEOs the other day, and one of the things that one of the CEOs said was, and this is kind of verbatim, he said, workplace culture is only, um, let me get this right, workplace culture is only possible when you are in the office. Well, I wanted to melt and I, well, that's not really what I wanted to do. I wanted to explode actually, because having, having written that book of leading virtual teams, that simply came from a place of, I've been running my business virtually since 2006, before all of the technology was in there. I said, you know what, I don't need to have groups of people in offices. I don't need that. Let's do this differently. And it has become my greatest unique selling point of my business. It is the secret source to my business because I have people around the world. That means we operate 24 hours a day. That means we can do projects three times as quick as someone with an office. Oh, because my goodness. Well, it's, a, it's That's amazing. I just got that. Right. So if you have a 24 hour team, think of project timelines, think of productivity, think of efficiency. That's the world that I live in. So me hearing this CEO say you can't have corporate culture unless people are in the office having coffee around the water cooler. I just wanted to explode. And the reason why he thought that was because he values face-to-face, in-person, same geography conversations. For me, as a business owner, I value face-to-face -face conversations, but they don't have to be in the same room. Mm -hmm. I spend my whole day on Zoom. I spend my day on Slack with my team, and we chat like a thousand messages a day. We have a culture a culture is just a group of people coming together and doing stuff, right? So culture just is there, whether it's good or bad or, or or optimal or not. It's just there. It forms in any group of people, family, friends, work, whatever it is. And we have a culture that is virtual. It doesn't make us say, well, I'm not going to talk to my team for three months because they're, they're in Europe or they're in America or they're somewhere else. There's no us and them. It's just us together. So it is a big change for many people who have got on their train, got on their bus, got in their car, driven to work, clocked in, clocked out, da, 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 da. And unless you are making 
physical stuff in manufacturing or distributing physical stuff like Amazon, Walmart, whatever, then I would question if your business is, is an office where people are coming to a space but not actually manufacturing anything or doing anything physical, then I would question why do you need that office? Mm-hmm. I think the point you just made there about 24-7 you know, productivity, that doesn't get just a few CEOs and a few chief operating officers. I don't know what's going to do it, right? That was that was gold right there. Um, but let's get a little bit deeper on this matter, Catherine. You have a very interesting vantage point in the work that you do. And I'm interested to hear, you know, this whole great resignation thing is fascinating. I'd love your perspective on more of what you think is, is fueling that. I think there's a lot of things and it, a lot of being written about it. You know, people are bored. They just want to change. There's a lot of money out there. You know, people are getting sign-on bonuses, all sorts of things. And they go, what do I really want? And I think that's been the great leveller of the pandemic. I do too. people look and say, what do I really want? Hang on. You know, I'm especially parents with kids who were homeschooling and then they say, what is it that I want in life? And it's about saying, what are my goals? And and I ask the question, I've been doing a lot of work with um, corporations on my new piece around inner genius. And and I, I've been asking the question, what's your goal? And people, people are very proper and kind and they say, oh, well, my goal is to be, you know, go up a level in work and, and maybe buy a house or do whatever, whatever. And then I ask them the question, what's your impossible goal? Mm -hmm. And then they sit back and they go, you know what, this is what I'd really love to do. And then they start talking about their impossible, impossible goal. Oh, I'd love to be in Spain on an island doing whatever. And I go, Okay, now we're really getting there. And I think people are now giving themselves that liberty to think about themselves. Whereas before, we were like little, you know, axe workers in in forests, chopping down trees, chopping down trees, chopping down trees. We didn't know if that axe was blunt or whether it was sharp. We didn't know if we were in the right forest. We didn't know if that was the right tree. We were just doing the doing, the doing, the doing. And that's how many people were kind of on this run of life, just doing, doing, doing. Pandemic comes and you can't do all those things anymore. So you stop and all of a sudden Netflix becomes incredibly appealing and you go, what am I doing? I go to work at home. I'm still at home. I look at my family. I look at my husband, my partner, my wife. Wow, that's pretty dull. What about me? Right. And I think that if you really bring it back, that great resignation is the what about me? Hmm. And that's why people are making the shift. You know, I can earn more money. I can do this. I can do that. I can have a bit more what we used to call balance. It comes from that place. And if employers are not on that bus of that wavelength, wow, what a missed opportunity. Because mm-hmm. then you end up employing, you know, into roles with people who don't quite fit or who are not quite skilled enough. Your training budget goes through the roof and then you're getting this substandard labour in or you have to hire at such a higher price 
because you are doing that. And then you say, wow, my business can't sustain that. So listening to what's going on and reading the tea leaves has got to be the new skill for business leaders. Mm, well said, Catherine. Perfect way to take us into our first break as well. I'm your host, Dr. Elise Cortez. We were on the air with Catherine Matiski. She's a leading global business educator and author with 30 years of experience across industries, including banking, insurance, pharmaceutical, biotechnology, and retail. She's the founder of TPC, the performance company, an international training and consulting organization that has worked with Fortune 100 companies around the world. We've been talking a bit about her perspective of what's happening with the world of work and virtual, virtual, virtual work. After the break, we're going to talk more about her perspective on the, how the new world requires managers and team members to elevate their, school, their skills in virtual work environment. Stay with us. We'll be right back. Dr. Elise Cortez is a management consultant specializing in meaning and purpose. An inspirational speaker and author, she helps companies visioneer for greater purpose among stakeholders and develop purpose-inspired leadership and meaning-infused cultures that elevate fulfillment, performance, and commitment within the workforce. To learn more or to invite Elise to speak to your organization, please visit her at EliseCortez.com. Let's talk about how to get your employees working on purpose. This is Working on Purpose with Dr. Elise Cortez. To reach our program today or open a conversation with Elise, send an email to Elise, A-L-I-S-E, at EliseCortez.com. Now, back to Working on Purpose. Thanks for staying with us. Before we get back here in the program, let me invite you to check out the book that I wrote some time ago, Purpose Ignited, How Inspiring Leaders Ignite Passion and Elevate Cause. It's on Amazon. I wrote the book to awaken readers to their passion and their purpose and turn them into inspirational leaders that can actually create a workplace where people actually want to come to work and do their best. It's also what I use to uh, do my uh, Vitally Inspired Leadership Program as well as the, the Grab Your Gusto programs. If you're just joining the program today, my guest is Catherine Matiski. She's a leading global business educator and author with 30 years of experience across industries, including banking, insurance, pharmaceutical, biotechnology, and retail. She's also the author of Leading Virtual Teams, which we're talking about today. So from here, Catherine, I want to talk more about that sort of this new world that we find ourselves in, what you sort of referenced before. And, and I really get this idea that we've been, um, whether we knew it or not, we've been kicked upstairs, right? We have, a, it's a whole new realm out there and to be successful. And I think really also fulfilled, we need to be able to learn new skills as, as team members, as well as leaders. And I love, by the way, that you fast tracked this book to be able to serve more people during the pandemic. That's so commendable. So your perspective on being kicked upstairs, what do you think about that? Well, I think that for many people, um, the the geography of the local workplace, which is you know everyone together, has enables people to walk past each other, acknowledge them, and think that that's connection, and go to meetings and sit in the same room and think that that's connection. When you move to a virtual or a hybrid environment, I think the first thing to do to you know, maybe look in the mirror and say, how do I connect to my team, to my peers and to senior leaders? And really analyse that as the first step. Because um, I talk to so many people and they say, one, one person said to me, I haven't heard from my manager in two months, mm -hmm. not an email, nothing. 
And someone else said to me that their team members emailed them and said, while we're working from home, is it your expectation that we should still work on projects and do we still have to meet those original deadlines or is all of that on hold? So those kind of basic frameworks need to be in place. And the first thing is connect with people. Forget about everything else. It's just like maybe have a coffee, a virtual coffee with people on your team with no agenda, just chat. And so the the whole notion of, of the virtual workplace, it's very easy to lose the connection. So I think that's the first piece of it. Mm-hmm. The other piece that really comes to my mind that I am hearing from some of the clients that I've been working with here, and it's what I like to call the elephant in the room, and you alluded to it in the very beginning of the show, Catherine, is that I think that for, for many leaders, it, there's the concern of, well, if I can't see you, how can I trust that you're actually doing work and that you're not actually out in the backyard playing with your kids or mowing your lawn or whatever you're doing? Um, and, and that seems to be a real issue for, for, for leaders to grapple with. What, yes, what do you recommend was, there? Yeah, well, uh, I was working with a CEO and she said, I want all my people back to work. And she said the reason for it was that um, she had a manufacturing facility, she had a, a, a distribution facility and an office facility. And she said it's not fair for the office people to stay at home while the manufacturing and the distribution people had to come back into their workplaces. Hmm. And I said, why is that not fair? And after about 15 minutes of me asking very high-impact questions to her, she sat back and she said, I don't trust them. Mm. And I said, okay, let's talk about that. So you trust them when they're in the office, their body might be there, but their mind is goodness knows where, but you don't trust them when they're at home. So it, it's around a few things. Firstly, it's around the people themselves. What is it about those people that you don't trust? Let's call it what it is. Right. And where did that not that lack of trust not come from? So generally, uh, if I if I think of the trust bank account, you know, it gets credited when people do what they say they're going to do. They are consistent and with their commitments and so on and so forth. And it gets debited when they say, yes, I'll get that to you at least by Tuesday and it comes in Thursday or it, or on Thursday you say, hey, Catherine, where is it? That trust account gets debited. So it's coming back to the root cause of why don't you trust them? Is it because people have been late to Zoom calls and then they say, oh, I had to get the kids doing this or I, had to, I was doing washing or whatever I was doing? That trust account has gone down. So it's how to remedy that. So that's the first thing to kind of let's call it what it is. And so if it's the trust issue, let's work on that. If it's a systems issue, which it may be, because maybe people don't have the systems really in place to do that, let's let's do something about that. Yes. What is the technology that supports people? You know, simple things like we have a problem in my company around version control. And it's like someone will put something onto the server and then someone else is doing something else and then all of a sudden there's a version clash. And so <laughs> over the many years that we've been working in virtual, 
we're all the version police. It's like, I don't care if it's version 32, but just make sure the next one's version 33. You know, <laughs> right. have the systems and processes and ways of working in place. So that could be the issue as well. Find out what the issue is and don't be afraid of the issue. The issue is just the issue. You know, if you weren't making sales or the marketing wasn't working, you dig deep into it. But because this is a people issue, people go, well, I can't go there. You know, oh, I might get in trouble. It might end up being a diversity, equity, inclusion and belonging issue. And I don't want that, you know. So it's like there's a bit of fear around it because you're dealing with people. And so... It's really getting underneath that. And then saying to people, like for me, I say in our interviews, I say, I don't care when you work in the day. And, and people go, oh, yes, you do, Catherine. I go, actually, no, I don't. If you want to go shopping for the afternoon and your projects allow you to do that, like miss a deadline and that's it in our company, but if your projects allow you to have half a day off for shopping and then you want to come back and work from 7pm until 11pm, knock yourself out. We're adults. I don't need to be doing adult daycare from a certain time to a certain time. That's not what my business is about. My business is about how can we be more productive? And because we're working globally, it's very often, like I have a team member who just sent me a Slack message now saying, I'm now sleeping, I'll see you at 4.30am her time. But then tomorrow she might work 4.30am until 12 noon or 4.30 until 8 and have a break or go for a walk. I, I seriously don't care. I really, and people go, oh, you must care. I actually don't. It's just the clock to me doesn't mm -hmm. matter. If her projects were behind and late, Wow, I'd really care then. But, you know, let's treat people as adults. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I think what you've done masterfully, Catherine, is you've disassociated from that traditional mechanism of the clock and to, in order to produce better results. And so what I, what's come to me, Catherine, in this is um, I know a lot of people who have made very big, successful careers out of consulting for the big now four, right? And it occurs to me that's a very that that's it. That's they've got a system for that. They plug you into the system, and I don't care where you're working from, you're going to be successful because they know how to do it. The rest of us out in the world, you know, who haven't really quite been been um, um, ex exposed to that, are the ones that are probably really struggling the most. And so that's where I think your work is so so important because you teach in your book both how to lead better with more accountability and a systems kind of approach, and your checklists are fantastic. For, for, for new leaders, what do they need to do? And you really talk about that importance of, you know, strong communication and connection, especially higher touch as well. But also what do the team members need to do to demonstrate their competency and be successful? I think that's, really? it's tremendous. And so, and these are different skills. They're more highly attuned skills that you talk about in your book. Mm, and you, you mentioned communication and, and it, everything comes back to that, but what does that look like? And so, how do we communicate, especially in a virtual environment? And not only with each other, but and our teams and our senior leaders and so on, but to our customers, our clients, they are all virtual as well. So no longer, <coughs> excuse me, no longer are sales um, associates going out to visit clients. Like that's old world. How are they managing those client relationships? How is projects being done with customers, with vendors and so on. And so it comes back to the communication. And I've got to tell you that people 
communicate at a core level how they learn. That's where it comes from. That my whole life has been in learning. My whole life has been the science of learning. And what comes out of people's mouth is a direct mirror of how they prefer to take in information. Well, that's great if they're communicating with someone who learns a bit like them, but if they're different, they go, well, that person's different, difficult, hard to get along with, whatever. No, they're just different to you. Mm -hmm. So then as a leader, how do I communicate, especially in a heightened, complex world of virtual, how do I now communicate to hook in that other person on the other end of a camera, on the other end of the world, so that my message is clear, it hooks that person in, they then respond to it, I'm influential, I'm doing all of those great things. That is a new skill and it is a new skill for this age and that's where my everyday work is. I happen to work in a virtual organisation that I happen to have some skills in. But my everyday work is in this whole essence of communication. And now in a virtual world or worse, hybrid, that is the elephant in a room. I've got some people in the office. I've got some people virtual. I've got some people across the other side of the country. I've got some people in a, in a facility somewhere. That hybrid world, that can turn to a hot mess real fast. Mm -hmm. well, that's what my client is really afraid of. She hears the horror stories about this kind of thing. Mm. Um, so, so I, of course, I, as I'm prone to do, I read your book cover to cover. Um, but <laughs> would you say, <laughs> well, it's part of my, my education. That's why I do this, right? But would you just say a few more competencies for our listeners and viewers? What do leaders need beyond that, comp that communication? What else are you, just a couple other competencies that you talk about in the book that you think are worth mentioning here? I'm super practical. I'm Australian. We say it how it is, right? There's no fluff and, and, and no, we call it faffing in Australia. I don't even know how to spell that. I think it's like P-H-A-F-F-I-N-G. No faffing, right? The, the, there's a few things you can do immediately today. Have a look at your calendar and have a look at when you're meeting with your team. And if the, if the meeting is at three o'clock, show up to that meeting 10 minutes before and be the first person on the Zoom call, not the last, the first. And you get there and you can still be doing your emails in the background or working, but as soon as that person, the first person arrives, you're on. Now that person might arrive at nine minutes to the hour when the meeting's supposed to start. If that person is the only person there for that nine minutes, you chat. How are you? Simply asking that question, looking into the camera to that person and saying, Elise, how are you? Mm -hmm. And stop talking and just listen. And things will come out. And then say, how are you going with that project? Or how, I know you've been juggling family stuff. How's that going for you? Or I know you've got a sick parent. How's that going for you? actually connect and talk to them as human beings. What I see happening is leaders come into the meeting on time, maybe late, and then it's like bang, into the agenda. There's no water cooler time that we used to have. The water cooler time happens before. Or it might be saying at the end of the meeting, hey, Lise, can you stay back? Yep, yeah. sure. I don't have another meeting to go to. Don't mm -hmm. book back-to-back-to-back -to -back -to -back meetings. That's that's number one. So just managing that piece 
instantly ups the connection, the human capacity, the finding out what's really going on with your people, all of those good things that you're not going to find when you when you bring them together. Mm-hmm. The second thing is, is when you go into a meeting room, you can see people. And I had a client the other day saying, you know, Catherine, he said, I see you on Zoom much more than I see anybody else. I go, what are you talking about? Do you not have Zoom calls? And she said, yeah, but none of my, my entire company don't turn their camera on. Mm, and it's like, yeah. whoa, okay. So I know that I'm not a supermodel and I'm okay with that. But I also know that when I go into a meeting, this is how I look and people can see me. Mm-hmm. And so first thing is cameras on everything. If people don't have cameras, buy them. You know, if people don't have screens, buy them. Whatever they need to set that up. These are such simple things. The other things that I think leaders can do is to really invoke a growth mindset, you know, and that looks like showing up, you know, stop being grumpy, stop being miserable, stop being negative, get in there and go, okay, we've got a problem. I've got six smart people on the line here. Every one of you, I want to take a minute, just take a minute now and write down what you think your solutions could be to this problem. What could be the possibilities? Let's get in here together and do it together. Like no silent people on the call, no standby people. They're just sitting there going, oh, I'm here. Just forget the grumpy, get in there and be excited. Like work is supposed to be a great place to be. Because as you say, you want to work with purpose. Well, half the time when people leave, it's because they don't feel that purpose. Mm-hmm. You know that. Mm-hmm. So it happens. Purpose doesn't happen in the big picture. Purpose happens in every interaction, in yes. every Zoom call, in every phone call. And I've got a senior person on my team that is not, not really gelled with Zoom. He's a phone guy. And he phones people and says, hi, Elise. And they go, whoa, senior leader. What have I done wrong? (laughs) Am I about to be fired? And he says, I'm just calling to see how you're going. I've just noticed on the calls lately, maybe in our team meetings, that you're feeling a bit stressed, that projects are, what's happening? Just talk to me. Mm. Half an hour later, they've told him a whole life story. He comes to me and says, do you know what's really going on with that person? I go, no. And he says, this is what's going on. I go, yeah. oh, goodness. Yeah. Whatever it is for that connection, you know, I'm not talking about the difficult stuff. I'm talking about the easy stuff. Mm-hmm. Gorgeous. I'm going to comment on that, but let's grab our last break here if we can. I'm Elise Cortez, your host. We've been on the air with Catherine Matiski. She's a leading global business educator and author with 30 years of experience across industries. We've been talking a bit about her book, Leading Virtual Teams. We're going to talk a little bit more after the break about managing virtual teams and beyond. Stay with us. We'll be right back. Dr. Elise Cortez is a management consultant specializing in meaning and purpose. An inspirational speaker and author, she helps companies visioneer for greater purpose among stakeholders and develop purpose-inspired leadership and meaning-infused cultures that elevate fulfillment, performance, and commitment within the workforce. To learn more or to invite Elise to speak to your organization, please visit her at EliseCortez.com. Let's talk about how to get your employees working on purpose.
This is Working on Purpose with Dr. Elise Cortez. To reach our program today or open a conversation with Elise, send an email to Elise, A-L-I-S-E, at EliseCortez.com. Now, back to Working on Purpose. Thanks for staying with us and welcome back to Working on Purpose. One other bit of news I want to share with you is that a couple, a few months ago, I released a, a, an anthology that I've been curating for a while. It's 25 stories from women around the world who share their very intimate stories of how they discovered their purpose and are now serving from it. It's amazing. I'm so proud of it. I could bust. Um, I'm bought all the way, by the way, I'm also now recruiting for men to share their stories. So if you know anybody, send them my way. If you're just joining the, the program today, my guest is Catherine Matiski. She is the founder of The Performance Company, an international training and consulting organization that has worked with Fortune 100 companies around the world. She's also the author of Leading Virtual Teams, which we've been talking about in this program today. So, Catherine, what I wanted to chime in really quick on what you were just talking about before is, and I have heard this by talking to futurists, by the way, and other technology people, is they talk about the, the, uh, the opportunity to, for humans to be kicked upstairs working alongside technology. So just what you were saying is the only one thing that we do better than any machine or robot out there is that human connection, emotional intelligence, right? So what you're describing is now we have a way to really distinguish and work very much alongside technology, but to distinguish our human contribution in a way that makes all the difference to people. And I really want to celebrate that and call that out. Absolutely. Yeah. Mm. So um, one of the other things that you do in your book, which I think is brilliant, and I've done this in classes, but it makes so much sense. Um, you talk about this idea of what I would I would call it a, a virtual team charter, but essentially getting the, all of the team members involved in the creation and agreement of how they're going to work together. What does success look like? What are the ground rules, et cetera? I think that's brilliant. And you say the importance, which I completely agree with, get everyone involved in its creation so everybody has skin in the game. Brilliant idea. Mm -hmm. And I've seen it work and I've seen people do it exactly with the blueprint from the book and mm -hmm. they've done it and they've then showed it to me and it's just amazing. And some of them are quite simple, you know, and some of them are hugely complex, but it is their words and it is from them. So whatever the end product comes out, people live by it, eat, breathe it every day. And it is absolutely the unifier. I think the challenge comes when the team charter is set and someone leaves the team or somebody new comes into the team. Mm -hmm. That's an opportunity to make sure that if somebody comes into the team, then that team charter process has their voice into as well. So there needs to be an update. Every time that team changes, effectively mm. that charter changes as well. So for a new person, it's asking them the question to say, okay, here's our team charter. How does that resonate with you? What do you care about? What would you add or take away from that team charter? And because the, the team is different. So yeah. it's, it's a bit like when a group of executives go away on a leadership retreat, they create a vision, they're all jazzed about it. They come back and think everyone's going to be on board. They say the vision and everyone goes, yeah, yeah, that's just like the old one. And they go, well, no, it's not. It took us two days to come up with this, this word. But unless you actually unravel that and say, in this vision or in this team charter, this word to us means this. So we've used the word accountable. What that looks like is this, 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 this. And we've learned that we've used a word like collaborative, for example. What that means to us is this, this, this. So it's it's an opportunity for the team, every time someone joins the team, 
to actually go back to the team charter in that welcome to our team meeting, back to the team charter and say, okay, let's revisit our team charter. This is what these words mean to us and then getting their input as the new team member. What that also does at 90 degrees of that is keeps that team charter alive. Mm -hmm. It's not just buried in a Dropbox folder somewhere and we go, right. oh, yeah, we did a team charter once. I don't know where it is, but, yeah, it was a good exercise at the time. No, it's a living, breathing entity that just needs to be kept alive. Mm -hmm. I think that's just brilliant. Makes so much sense. So a couple more things because we're coming to the close of the show already here. But I, 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 somebody who has lived in Spain and Brazil and I speak those languages, I went over Western Europe and South America and I love to travel and I love to connect with people. You have a fantastic section in your book about uh, cultural intelligence, which I think is fascinating. So um, if you could just pepper us with a couple of you know, some of your more favorite countries to talk about. They have You talk about some of the different ways they prefer to communicate and how they like to do meetings, et cetera. Can you just share a couple? Even, even between countries that we would think would be quite similar, Australia and United States, mm -hmm. Australia and Canada, um, the USA and UK. You would think that they're quite similar, <laughs> poles apart. Mm -hmm. And so it's about saying, what do I need to know about the culture that that person is, is working in? and that country and there's a great book it's a hundred years old i don't know how old it is but it's a long and it's called um shake bow um and sorry uh, nod bow and shake and so it's it's about what do i need to do in order to interact with that particular culture and so it, it for example i do a lot of work in switzerland Switzerland is poles apart from my culture of Australia, but I spent 10 years in America, 20 years in America, so I know the American culture, but it's poles apart. So there's things in the Swiss culture, things like showing up late for a meeting is just not on. You know, like think of all those Swiss watches, you <laughs> have to be on time. And at the end of the minute of the, at the start time of the meeting, everyone's there. And in the old world, when I used to train there, physically train there, um, in the old world pre-pandemic, um, I would say, let's have a six-minute break in a training course. And I can tell you that 100% of the people were back at five minutes. And mm -hmm. I'm going, wow. Mm -hmm. In mm -hmm. Australia, after six minutes, you're going, is anyone back? Because you call a six-minute break in a training course in Australia or in America because you know it's going to be 10. But in Switzerland, a six minute is really fine. You know, it's just these little things. And so it's like, get into the culture, learn the culture, because you're the one that's different. And in a virtual workplace, like that's become really exciting because now I can hire someone from anywhere in the world and I hire on time zones for our projects, but I can hire anyone in the world, but boy, I want to be across their culture and I'll never be part of that. But you can do some simple things at the beginning of meetings to say just basic things like what did you have for your last meal? Because mm -hmm. in different cultures, it's different, right? Or especially around holiday time, I love asking my team, what do you do for Christmas in your country? <laughs> or what do you do? Do you do Halloween? You know, some countries do, some countries don't, even though it's an American thing. 
all these things is finding out just those cultures is really important. Mm -hmm. And it's just, it's, it's education, it's connection, everything else we've been talking about here. Yeah. So we're almost out of time here, Catherine, but I would, I would love to hear you weigh in on what you see as the future of work in this increasingly interconnected world we're living in. What do you, what do you see that crystal ball of yours? I, I think people are now changing. I think people will go to what I call their expert zone and we all have one. Mm. And some of us don't know what that is. I think people are starting to tap into the idea that I can be an expert in something. Mm. For employers, hiring on expert zones is critical because if you keep people in their expert zone, they stress levels go down because what they're doing is easy for them. They love it. Mm -hmm. They have that purpose. They will show up. They're happy. All the good things in business that we want if you have people working in their expert zone. And people who are there are less likely to leave at, at, because they perhaps won't have that, they won't be in that expert zone. And then providing them with that growth opportunity is key. Mm -hmm. I don't see a world of office blocks and cities full of people, you know, finishing at 12 noon to have lunch. I don't see that world. I see a very dispersed workplace and a workplace where organisations gather talent based on talent, not on geography. Mm. Is that probably my dream? Yes, that's probably my dream. Because why should I be constrained by the people in my city, even if it's a huge city, when the best talent is on the other side of the world or the best talent happens to be in a developing country that I would normally have no access to. Right. Why can't I hire that person? It speaks Thanks. to the whole DEIB. It speaks to that diversity. It speaks to the richness of the fabric of what an organisation could be. That sounds gorgeous, Catherine. I want that world. I'm in that world. Um, we've done it. We've managed to get to the edge of uh, into the show so fast. You know this show is listened to by people around the world. We're all about trying to create a workplace where people actually want to come to work and do their best. We are creating inspirational leaders that help people realize their greatness, and we're doing business that betters the world. What would you like to leave us with today? The first thing is that I think anything is possible. And I would ask people to reflect on what is their impossible goal? What would they love to do either for their business, their team, themselves? What's their impossible goal? And to say, let's take that apart and say, let's make that possible. Because I, I really believe that. Mm -hmm. What a beautiful way to finish. I really, really am so grateful that we've connected, Catherine. And by the way, it has been known to happen that I end up on the doorstep of some of my international guests. I have been to oh. Australia. David Brooks <laughs> was on my show. So beware, it could happen. So thank Good. you. Thank you very much for being willing to be found and come on the next day on the show. You are a treasure. Thank you very much. It's great to be with you. Listeners and viewers, if you want to learn more about Catherine Matiski and the work she and her team are doing, it's pretty amazing. Uh, her books, any of her books, start by going to innergeniusnow.com. Let me spell that for you. I-N-N-E-R-G-E-N-I-U-S-N-O-W, innergeniusnow.com. Last week, if you missed the live show, you can always catch it being recorded podcast. We were on here with Amy Herman talking about her book, Fixed, How to Perfect the Fine Art of Problem Solving. 
Next week, we'll be on the air with Kelly McDonald talking about her book, It's Time to Talk About Race at Work, Every Leader's Guide to Making Progress on Diversity, Equity, and Inclusion. See you there. Remember that work is at least a third of our life, so let's work on purpose. We hope you've enjoyed this week's program. Be sure to tune in to Working on Purpose, featuring your host, Dr. Elise Cortez, each week on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Together, we'll create a world where business operates conscientiously, leadership inspires impassioned performance, and employees are fulfilled in work that provides the meaning and purpose they crave. See you there. Let's work on purpose.